This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are available in the public domain. For more information or to find out how to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Middle Temple Murder by J. S. Fletcher Chapter 27 Mr. Elphick's Chambers Spargo went round again to the temple that night at nine o'clock, asking himself over and over again two questions. The first, how much does Elphick know? The second, how much shall I tell him? The old house in the temple to which he repaired, and in which many a generation of old fogies had lived since the days of Queen Anne, was full of stairs and passages, and as Spargo had forgotten to get the exact number of the set of chambers he wanted he was obliged to wander about in what was a deserted building so wandering he suddenly heard steps firm decisive steps coming up a staircase which he himself had just climbed he looked over the banisters down into the hollow beneath and there marching up resolutely was the figure of a tall veiled woman and spargo suddenly realized with a sharp quickening of his pulses that for the second time that day he was beneath one roof with miss bayless spargo's mind acted quickly knowing what he now knew from his extraordinary dealings with mother gutch he had no doubt whatever that miss bayless had come to see mr elphick come of course to tell mr elphick that he spargo had visited her that morning and that he was on the track of the maitland secret history he had never thought of it before for he had been busily engaged since the departure of mother gutch but naturally miss bayless and mr elphick would keep in communication with each other at any rate here she was and her destination was surely elphick's chambers and the question for him spargo was what to do what spargo did was to remain in absolute silence motionless tense where he was on the stair and to trust to the chance that the woman did not look up but miss bayless neither looked up nor down she reached a landing turned along a corridor with decision and marched forward a moment later spargo heard a sharp double knock on a door a moment after that he heard a door heavily shut he knew then that Miss Bayless had sought and gained admittance somewhere. To find out precisely where that somewhere was, drew Spargo down to the landing which Miss Bayless had just left. There was no one about. He had not, in fact, seen a soul since he entered the building. Accordingly, he went along the corridor into which he had seen Miss Bayless turn. He knew that all the doors in the house were double ones, and that the outer oak in each was solid and substantial enough to be soundproof. Yet, as men will under such circumstances, he walked softly. He said to himself, smiling at the thought, that he would be sure to start if somebody suddenly opened a door on him. But no hand opened any door, and at last he came to the end of the corridor and found himself confronting a small board on which was painted in white letters on a black ground, Mr. Elphick's chambers. Having satisfied himself as to his exact whereabouts, Spargo drew back as quickly as he had come. There was a window halfway along the corridor from which he had noticed as he came along. One could catch a glimpse of the embankment and the Thames. To this he withdrew, and leaning on the sill looked out and considered matters. 
should he go and if he could gain admittance beard these two conspirators should he wait until the woman came out and let her see that he was on the track should he hide again until she went and then see elphick alone in the end spargo did none of these things immediately he let things slide for the moment he lighted a cigarette and stared at the river and the brown sails and the buildings across on the surrey side ten minutes went by twenty minutes nothing happened then as half-past nine struck from all the neighbouring clocks spargo flung away a second cigarette marched straight down the corridor and knocked boldly at mr elphick's door greatly to spargo's surprise the door was opened before there was any necessity to knock again and there calmly confronting him a benevolent yet somewhat deprecating expression on his spectacled and placid face stood mr elphick a smoking cap on his head a tasselled smoking jacket over his dress shirt and a short pipe in his hand spargo was taken aback mr elphick apparently was not he held the door well open and motioned the journalist to enter come in mr spargo he said i was expecting you walk forward into my sitting-room spargo much astonished at this reception passed through an anteroom into a handsomely furnished apartment full of books and pictures in spite of the fact that it was still very little past midsummer there was a cheery fire in the grate and on a table set near a roomy armchair was set such creature comforts as a spirit case a siphon a tumbler and a novel from which things spargo argued that mr elphick had been taking his ease since dinner but in another armchair on the opposite side of the hearth was the forbidding figure of miss bayless blacker gloomier more mysterious than ever she neither spoke nor moved when spargo entered she did not even look at him and spargo stood staring at her until mr elphick having closed his doors touched him on the elbow and motioned him courteously to a seat yes i was expecting you mr spargo he said as he resumed his own chair i have been expecting you at any time ever since you took up your investigation of the marbury affair in some of the earlier stages of which you saw me you will remember at the marchery but since miss bayless told me twenty minutes ago that you had been to her this morning i felt sure that it would not be more than a few hours before you would come to me why mr elphick should you suppose that i should come to you at all asked spargo now in full possession of his wits because i felt sure that you would leave no stone unturned no corner unexplored replied mr elphick the curiosity of the modern pressman is insatiable spargo stiffened i have no curiosity mr elphick he said i am charged by my paper to investigate the circumstances of the death of the man who was found in middle temple lane and if possible to track his murderer and mr elphick laughed silently and waved his hand my good young gentleman he said you exaggerate your own importance i don't approve of modern journalism nor of its methods in your own case you have got hold of some absurd notion that the man john marbury was in reality one john maitland once of market milcaster and you've been trying to frighten miss bayless here into spargo suddenly rose from his chair 
there was a certain temper in him which, when once roused, led him to straight hitting, and it was roused now. He looked the old barrister full in the face. Mr. Elphick, he said, you are evidently unaware of all that I know, so I will tell you what I will do. I will go back to my office and I will write down what I do know and give the true and absolute proofs of what I know. And if you will trouble yourself to read the watchman tomorrow morning, then you too will know. Dear me, dear me, said Mr. Elphick banteringly. We are so used to the ultra-sensational stories from the watchman that... But I am a curious and inquisitive old man, my good young sir. So perhaps you will tell me in a word what it is you do know, eh? Spargo reflected for a second. Then he bent forward across the table and looked the old barrister straight in the face. Yes, he said quietly. I will tell you what I know beyond doubt. I know that the man murdered under the name of John Marbury was, without doubt, John Maitland of Market Milcaster, and that Ronald Breton is his son whom you took from that woman. If Spargo had desired a complete revenge for the cavalier fashion in which Mr. Elphick had treated it, he could not have been afforded a more ample one than that offered to him by the old barrister's reception of this news. Mr. Elphick's face not only fell, but changed. His expression of almost sneering contempt was transformed to one clearly resembling abject terror. He dropped his pipe, fell back in his chair, recovered himself, gripped the chair's arms, and stared at Spargo as if the young man had suddenly announced to him that in another minute he must be led to an instant execution, and Spargo, quick to see his advantage, followed it up. That is what I know, Mr. Elphick, and if I choose, all the world shall know tomorrow morning, he said firmly. Ronald Brayton is the son of the murdered man, and Ronald Brayton is engaged to be married to the daughter of the man charged with the murder. Do you hear that? It is not a matter of suspicion, or of idea, or of conjecture. It is fact. Fact. Mr. Elphick slowly turned his face to Miss Bayless. He gasped out a few words. You did not. Then Spargo, turning to the woman, saw that she too was white to the lips and as frightened as the man. I, I didn't know, she muttered. He didn't tell me. He only told me this morning what, what I've told you. Spargo picked up his hat. Good night, Mr. Elphick, he said. But before he could reach the door, the old barrister had leapt from his chair and seized him with trembling hands. Spargo turned and looked at him. He knew then that for some reason or the other he had given Mr. Septimus Elphick a thoroughly bad fright. Well, he growled. My dear young gentleman, implored Mr. Elphick, don't go. I'll, I'll do anything for you if, if you won't go away to print that. I'll, I'll give you a thousand pounds. Spargo shook him off. That's enough, he snarled. Now I'm off. What? You try to bribe me? Mr. Elphick wrung his hands. I didn't mean that. I, I, indeed I didn't. He almost wailed. I, I don't know what I meant. Stay, young gentleman. Stay a little and let us, let us talk. Let me have a word with you. As many words as you please. I implore you. Spargo made a fine pretense of hesitation. If I stay, he said at last, 
it will only be on the strict condition that you answer and answer truly whatever questions I like to ask you. Otherwise, he made another move to the door and again Mr. Elphick laid beseeching hands on him. Stay, he said. I'll answer anything you like. End of chapter 27 Recorded by Kritika from India